welcome to the Eye on Innovation podcast brought to you from OIS. I'm your host, Carrie Powers, and I have the incredible opportunity to talk with really smart people. And my next guests are no exception to that. Um, my guests today are Dr. Bill Link and Aziz Matawala, two leaders in our field that I have great admiration for, both personally and professionally. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us. Delighted. Join Drs. Maria Barakal, Praveen Dougal, and Faras Hall at the upcoming OIS Retina on July 27th in Seattle, where you'll see and meet with leading startup companies, top industry executives, and clinical thought leaders addressing unmet retina needs through novel therapies. Save 30% when you register for both OIS Retina and OIS 13, the original Ophthalmology Innovation Summit, taking place this December 1st and 2nd in San Diego. Register today at OIS.net. So Bill has more than 40 years of experience in building, leading, and funding innovative ophthalmic technologies. Aziz has also spent the majority of his career in ophthalmology, and so really looking forward to talking about what's next in eye care and what the, what the environment is in 2023 in terms of how investment is shaping up. So my first question is for you, Bill. You've been involved in bringing so many new technologies to market, either directly or indirectly. Um, I think that our listeners would be really interested to hear what you see as the phenotype of a company that is very attractive to you. You bet. Happy to happy to think together about those priorities. I I kind of have about five categories that I evaluate each opportunity, each company with. I start with the market. Is there a sizable market? Is there an honest unmet need? Is there room for improvement there? Second, What's the science? What's the technology? Is it special? Does it have a chance of making a difference? Third, very important, is the team. Doesn't have to be a fully established team. Has to be a credible, caring, candid, and can-do team, okay? Fourth category, combination of FDA path and reimbursement. How clear, how uh, what level of risk or uncertainty in those categories. And, you know, the, the final uh, category, how much money, time to market, what, how much, what's the capital requirements. And so you look across that. And um, since I've been involved in investing for 25 plus years, we've more or less had those categories or buckets, I refer to them periodically, as what we screen new projects and technologies and companies with. I like that you said caring. I, I don't think I've heard that before um, from an investment perspective. Can you think of any examples that come to mind of someone that's like, wow, they just have a lot of heart. That's someone I want to partner with. Absolutely. Michael Ackerman, uh-huh. you know, is, is a person, you know, that, that we know well, uh-huh. and he's, he's a serial entrepreneur. And I'll tell you, he, he cares about the science and the problem that he's solving. He cares about the team. Uh, and winning is, is, is uh, helping people see better. And you can just tell he's quietly passionate would be mm-hmm. you know, a comment that I would make. And I could give multiple examples. But you know when you interact with people who has passion 
in a constructive, positive way. That's fantastic. Um, and actually, Dr. Ackerman is on our list of yeah. people who are going to be next on the OAS podcast. So that's fantastic. Well, and Michael is one of the reasons yeah. even with Tarsus for yeah. me to come on board. And, uh-huh. you know, it's great to hear Bill say that um, even for me, you know, looking at where I wanted to come back into eye care, uh-huh. what was going to be important and obviously good technology, all the things that you mentioned, but working with the right team. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I always say it's the combination of IQ and EQ and, and Michael embodies that. Bobby, our other co-founder, our CEO, he embodies that. And obviously, Bill, you, you can't toot your own horn, but I'll do it for you. Uh, Bill embodies that. And those are the first three people I talked to at Tarsus. And one of the you know, primary drivers for me to come on board was that great combination of IQ, EQ, and, and grit and determination to get things done. So I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. So Aziz, as the chief commercial officer over at Tarsus, I mean, you guys just have such incredible things going on right there. So, so, so much buzz around Demodex. We talked about that last week, how we both can't stop itching our yeah. eyelids now that, now that that's in, in the media so much. Um, how are you looking at opportunities in the pipeline over at Tarsus? Yeah, so I think it really goes back to maybe the IQ piece of looking at a problem and the way Tarsus was founded was to solve big problems where there's not a solution or the solutions aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And if I simplify that, we want to take big problems and we want to be first or we want to be best. And that's how we kind of lens our look at opportunities. It started with Demodex blepharitis and we had a lot of passion about being in eye care. Mm-hmm. And we started to think about where's all the innovation in eye care. And there's a great amount of things being done in ocular surface and surgical, et cetera there was an area that was being neglected and that was the lid. And if you think about it, there's so much focus on the ocular surface. Well, what's in front of the surface is the lid. And we started there with the lid and it is the source of tremendous issues for patients, whether it's demodex blepharitis, meibomian gland disease. So no surprise that we started there. So we have TPO3, which is now under review with the FDA. We have mm-hmm. a PDUFA in August for demodex blepharitis, it affects 25 million Americans. Mm-hmm. So it's a big problem, there's nothing today. So it fits right into that bucket. MGD was the same thing, it's sort of the other part of lid disease. So we started with the lid at next frontier of eye care. The molecule we're using, Lotolaner, it's kind of an interesting fortuitous opportunity that it's sort of a pipeline in a molecule. And we started to look at where else can we leverage this known science to solve a big problem where there's not a solution. And, and that led us to looking at Lyme disease as part of the pipeline, uh, where we have the opportunity to use this molecule in an oral solid as a prophylactic for Lyme disease. And then we're also looking at rosacea, where actually, again, leveraging that proven science where we know mites are implicated in rosacea, and we've got a great molecule. Can we use it in a different form to treat another mite or parasitic-driven disease? So, you know, I think about three things, right? Is it a big problem? Can we be first or best? And can we leverage some proven science? So we're not necessarily starting from scratch. And that last piece allows us to get to market or innovate more quickly than mm-hmm. maybe other people could. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the cycle for TPO3, you said it, right? Maybe a few years ago it was just a thought. Now we're at the precipice of launching the first approved product. So it's a pretty neat time. Yeah, that is really exciting. So the look at the lids campaign, we were talking about yeah. it last week. Um, just such an incredible job you guys did of bringing that into the forefront, making people talk about it, the things you guys are doing in the booth, uh, just really, really innovative. So Aziz, we've worked really closely together in the past um, on DTC. So I really want to hear from you. You know, DTC's changed so much since you and I were working on DTC on Restasis. Um, so how are, how are you guys approaching DTC as it relates to TPO3? 
Yeah, great. I mean, when you look at Demodex blepharitis, the first thing everybody says is this is, a, this is going to really resonate with the consumers. Uh-huh. And certainly if a patient finds out that what's causing their problem is a mite, they're very motivated. So right. we see that as really important. But there's another aspect of this. We want to be real thoughtful about how we approach these things. And it's actually something that Bill's guided us on in the past, right, is almost taking like a surgical approach to a pharma product where you really at first need to focus on getting the right outcomes and the mm-hmm. right experience for the physician. Mm-hmm. So the way we thought about it is we want to start with educating the doctor and help them with the understanding of disease, ensure that when the product's available, they have a great experience, they're able to help the patients. There's a million and a half patients already diagnosed today. So, you know, while there's an opportunity to drive patients in, there's already a tremendous amount of patients that we can serve. And we want to serve those patients, get great outcomes, and then build from there. So that's why we did look at the lids first. We wanted the doctors to get into the habit. We wanted them to be ready. The other part that we're focused on is sort of the second phase is getting to the payers, right? If we drive patients in and they can't afford it, if the product's not covered, right. it's not going to be a great experience for the patient nor the physician. So really focusing on the payer. And then we think about the consumer. And not that they're not important, but they're so important. We want to make sure the foundation is laid for mm-hmm. them. And we're actually really excited. We're launching a, our first consumer campaign. Um, it's eyelidcheck.com, and we like to call it Don't Freak Out, Get Checked Out. Oh, I love it. And it's, uh, it's really about letting the patient know that there is a reason you're having these issues. It's a mite. It's a parasite in your eye. You can get this fixed. And the one word I think about with this campaign is empowerment. It empowers the patient to go have the discussion with the doctor. Be ready when the doctor is looking at the lids and says, oh, hey, you know, I'm noticing you have blepharitis. It's caused by Demodex that the patient's prepared for that conversation. So we're rolling that campaign out right after ASCRS. We're excited about that. And, you know, as we build success and get that experience, that's when we'll think about, okay, when enough doctors have tremendous experience, when the coverage is in a great spot, then we can really go to town and have some fun with DTC, replicate some of the great things that you and I did uh, oh. back in our, our prior lives and really think about how we can get creative. I mean, there's a lot of to do here, right? There's a lot of creativity to be had and uh, it's a fun space to be in, but we wanna be really thoughtful and, and purposeful in everything we do so that we're meeting the needs of the patient, but also our physician customers and our payer customers. And one of the things Aziz has done to lead this process, and I'm gonna, use these, this phrase, he's toned down the message. Because I've not been involved in another project where when the patient hears of a, you know, a condition they have that they might, and use, use the word freak out, might be scared. Uh, early when we were in the learning curve of how to communicate okay. with the doc and with the patient, one of the patients went home from that physician and pulled her lashes out, scared us. Oh my goodness. We said, okay, this is serious. And so the business learning, okay, is real. And this to me is just the way we iterate, you know, here's the science. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's working. Now, how do we get the provider, okay, the optometrist and, and the ophthalmologist geared up and then how do we communicate with the patient in an appropriate way? Right. And, and it's, it's a fun challenge to have to tone it down versus, oh, try to appeal to them that they have enough of an issue that they should go see their, their doc. And so it's, it's been a very uh, important learning curve. And I'm very excited to have been on this journey with Aziz and Bobby and Michael and others uh, because the market needs this. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that, right? And 
when we first started talking about what this was, I have to admit, I was like, who wants to work on mites? Like, yeah. really? But I was wrong. This is, this is an incredible opportunity. And you just bring up a really good point that educating doctors with the market research you have and the learnings that you got is such an important to pass that on to the provider so they know they're prepared for how freaked out the patients might be yeah. when they learn that. So that's incredible. It's easy to get pulled into, right? You have something exciting and new to talk about uh -huh. to go right to the punchline. And, mm -hmm. and to Bill's point, there could be unintended consequences of doing yes. that, right? And, and that's really prompted us to partner as a team and hearing from the eye care community, hearing from our ophthalmology partners, our mm -hmm. optometry partners about those experiences. This is what I have to do when I talk to my patient. This is the reaction I get. Right. Those are all inputs that help guide. And I think yeah. that's another sort of subtle thread that's in this discussion of you gotta be purposeful and thoughtful, but you have to take into account, we're very lucky that we get to build and innovate and provide these solutions, but we're not the person serving the patient directly, right? And we can communicate to the patient, but we're not in that interaction. So it's so important to understand what that interaction is gonna be like, because you don't want to make that one more difficult than it needs to be for the patient, the physician. If you can make it easier, that's the goal, but you can't do that unless you really understand what's going on. Absolutely, yeah, that's fantastic. Looking forward to seeing that campaign come to fruition. So I wanna switch gears just a little bit and talk about investment and access to capital and how you're seeing 2023 shape up in comparison to 2022. Just get your overall thoughts on that and are there any particular areas that you think are bouncing back a little bit more quickly? It's uh, positively changing. You know, we went through a dip, you know, as COVID hit, um, markets were um, destabilized for a while. 21 was, was um, a, you know, a down year. 22 stayed, you know, pretty conservative. And late in 22, I began to observe some regaining of momentum. And what we watch for on the investment side are exits and financings, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's what we tend to monitor, if you will. And in our field, in the ophthalmic field, we began to see some exit slash acquisitions. You know, during the calendar 22, Alcon has gotten more active. And it's very clear that they're, you know, uh, building a presence, a meaningful presence on the pharma side. They're already a leader on the med tech side. And, you know, so I, I see that we, we have additional strong seasoned leadership coming here. Uh, you know, when most of us, when we heard that Brent Saunders was coming back into uh, Bausch uh, and ophthalmology as the CEO there, uh, the good feeling, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a person that cares about innovation and so forth. So some positive momentum. We've been able in several of our public companies, both in, the, in my, our portfolio as well as others, see follow-on financings that are happening in the public environment. Still a little choppy uh, for uh, appropriate reasons, but gaining some momentum there. Mm -hmm. That's great to hear, good news. Um, so yesterday we had the very first digital day at ASCRS and we're hearing a lot about AI and, and that being incorporated into a lot of emerging companies. So from an investment standpoint, 
is AI something that is attractive um, or is it something that you're still a little bit wary of? It's becoming attractive. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's real. Mm -hmm. AI is real in our world. And now, like a lot of other advances in technology, the advances happen in other markets, consumer-based markets, you know, uh, uh, military, uh, industrial, and so forth, and then we redeploy into the healthcare market, including ophthalmology. That is definitely what is happening with, you know, artificial intelligence. And it's, it's our, it will benefit us immensely in terms of, of becoming efficient, being able to diagnose and treat uh, 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 diseases earlier and more broadly. We've had a couple of uh, approvals in the ophthalmic space, digital diagnostics, the company named AI, you know, are now FDA approved for diabetic retinopathy mm -hmm. as a starting point. And so we will monitor how they do and then broaden the, uh, the investment uh, um, in, in that area. Mm -hmm. So um, Aziz, what areas are you really excited about in terms of innovation and eye care right now that you have your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I think thinking about technology and AI, it really falls into a lot of how we're looking at commercializing and building our capabilities. I think, Bill, you're touching on two of the biggest things we think about is efficiency or impact, how we can make ourselves more efficient. We're a, an upstart company. We're growing rapidly, but we need to be mindful of how we can get you know, the best bang for our buck in terms of investing and getting output uh, mm -hmm. to serve customers. And then we think about how we can best serve patients and, and diagnostics is a great idea. So we think about this as, a, as something that's real, it's impactful, and it's a key part of our business. So for instance, we think about efficiency. So we're building a sales organization. We're gonna have about 100 sales reps out there. And it's shocking to me still when I talk to folks at other companies, I was a rep, I don't even want to admit it, like 20 some odd years ago, but it was the same thing. You look at a list of doctors, you kind of go figure it out. And we have so much more information that we can better serve our eye care community. So if we had data that told us who we need to see, when we need to see them, what we should talk about when we see them, what would be the next logical thing that that physician might want to see or hear from us. Those are all things that can allow us to be more efficient, more impactful. But most importantly, it's going to allow us to better serve our customer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. When I think about the power of a, a sales organization or commercial organization, I, I use the mantra of it's going to allow us to punch above our weight mm -hmm. and really operate as a leader in the space by understanding the needs and leveraging technology to better understand the needs. The second avenue, it's still very early, but we have a very visual disease. So everyone talks about, is there a way to diagnose blepharitis remotely? Can you right. use your phone? Can you use mm -hmm. some imaging uh -huh. and then layer on some AI platform to help patients understand what's going on more quickly, get them in front of the doctor sooner than they would have otherwise been in front of the doctor. So we think about shortening that cycle to getting patients treated, and then of course, how we can be the most impactful as a commercial organization in the eye care space to better serve our, our customers. And technology, data, insights, those are all things we're holding very high priority in terms of our planning. And I think more to come on this, but we're excited about the potential to be able to leverage some of that. I would think that with all of these technological advancements, that's really changing the way you think about even building an organization. You know, with Tarsus starting out and you're having to make all these decisions about the structure of the company, talk to me about how technology is playing a role. Yeah, so these are the examples I gave you. Know, the other area, you know, Bobby and I were actually uh, earlier this week at a major payer and pharmacy conference, Assembia, 
and it's remarkable when you talk to physicians and patients, one of the biggest pressure points we see is getting the product, right? Reimbursement, and even if it's reimbursed, it's a hassle, it's tough, it's tough to manage for the physician, it's tough to manage for the patient, and spending a few days with partners in pharmacy and reimbursement is very eye-opening because there's a lot of opportunities there to leverage technology as well to help ensure that when a physician makes a diagnosis and a treatment decision that we're able to help pull that through. Mm -hmm. And it was remarkable to me talking to some of the leaders in those spaces, how committed they are to actually helping that process. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get them a bad rap, like, hey, the pharmacy is this, and actually when we talk to folks at CVS, Walgreens, some of the biggest pharmacy chains, and one of their biggest missions is how we can help and partner to better serve patients. So you find that common ground and then you think about how you can leverage technology mm -hmm. and say, okay, is there a way doctor writes a script, an example I'll give you is, they're working on things now that if a prior author were to come in, rather than have to call the doctor back, can they plug into the EMR system and get the required information directly from the EMR system? Right, the patient record's there, it's a universal patient record ideally, mm -hmm. and now the doctor isn't bothered because they forgot one step in the process or a piece of paper wasn't signed, they can get the information directly from the patient chart and get it to the payer and the patient get the drug quickly physician's not bothered, doesn't take time out of their day. So these are just, that's just one example mm -hmm. where technology is starting to play a bigger role in that, in that chain of getting the product to the patient. And we're thinking about how we can leverage every aspect of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, how this is benefiting the end patients, yeah. right? Just from an access standpoint, yeah. education and paying the right price yeah. for it in the end as well. So as you advise your portfolio of companies, are you seeing technology become more and more important? Are you giving that advice to your young emerging companies? Well, they're giving the advice to me that they're gonna do it. <laughs> they're advising me. And so it's a win-win, uh -huh. uh, no question. And one of the things we have to watch for in various parts of our life, okay, is modernizing what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. This is the way we did it five, 10, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Why are we still doing it like that now? How can we use access to technology availability of, of data in a moment versus uh, in a week? Mm -hmm. And then integrate that and use it, uh, simplify it, and use it to drive uh, uh, performance and decision making. And so th there's no question that the advance of uh, information technology uh, and COVID have advanced that beautifully. Okay, so you know my glass half full perspective on life is that by having been disrupted by COVID, it forced us to be more virtual. Mm -hmm. And some portion of that, 40, 50% of that skill and access to technology is doing it better than we were doing before COVID. And so that's an example and it's impacting companies uh, people, uh, provider networks, and so forth, you have access to your healthcare information and data beautifully today. Compare that to a decade ago. Uh -huh. you know, and so shame on us if we don't deploy that into, our, into the companies and, and then into the market. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been a really, really insightful discussion. I really appreciate both of your time. We're going to end with a personal question asking all of my guests today, how are you using chat GPT in your personal life, if you are? <laughs> how, how is that improving your day-to-day -day life? Uh, I'm using it to stay on top of what's cool, because I've got two teenagers. <laughs> 
and I'll just type in, hey, tell me what the latest trend is on TikTok. So I don't have to be on TikTok, but I know what my kids are looking at. So I'll use that as the way to uh, do my intelligence gathering. Love uh, it. I to, can to use be, that. To be hip. For, that is great. And the fact that I just said that totally negated the whole process. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. we won't tell them yeah. we're doing that. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep up with my grandkids in the same way. Oh, so. I love it. That's <laughs> so. great. That's great. Well, thank you again so much. Really appreciate both of your time during the busy ASCRS schedule. Um, that wraps up Ion Innovation. I'm Carrie Powers, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Mr.